Welcome back to Ion on Call, a podcast from Ion Solutions where we discuss the latest industry information relevant to our GPO member practices. In this episode, a part of our Precision Medicine series, Susan Widener, Senior VP of Intrinsic Analytics, and Natasha Clinton, Director of Medical Affairs for Intrinsic Specialty Solutions, discuss the overall strategy for Ion's Precision Medicine program, beginning with the creation of Ion's Precision Medicine Advisory Panel. We've really tried to establish the Precision Medicine Advisory Panel as a group of experts who, on a day-to-day basis, are engaged in how to advance the adoption of precision medicine from a practice perspective. That requires having someone who understands both the scientific aspect of how those lab tests are developed, how to interpret those, and then how to implement that from a clinical perspective for all the different types of providers, whether they be physicians, pharmacists, or nurses throughout the practice. So by establishing this multidisciplinary panel, we get the multiple perspectives in order to optimize both the clinical workflow and the scientific impact of utilizing precision medicine testing. So we have physicians, pharmacists, nurses, so that it's um, really a holistic approach when thinking about not only the clinical and scientific processes that surround precision medicine and testing, but also the operational aspects and challenges or barriers to testing. It's important that we have those conversations with the panel so that we fully understand the barriers that may prevent testing but also then together collectively as leaders in the space, bring together solutions that would help address those challenges or barriers and support them, um, support the members as they're looking at ways to increase testing within their practice. I'll go into how the panel functions like at our live and virtual meetings, Natasha and Susan, either one, if you have any notes about how we interact with these members on a regular basis. So we try to meet with the panel at least twice a year live and then have three to four virtual meetings throughout the year where we connect by phone and or video conferencing. Certainly in the events of COVID, we've had to transition to a virtual environment, but because the panel was already used to working in that way, that's gone very well and we've been able to continue on the work through a virtual environment. During those meetings, we have a broad agenda that we cover where we're inviting in um, partners to learn about new innovations in the space. And then we have breakout meetings depending on the objective or certain initiatives that we're working on where subsets of the panel will form into working groups and meet to work on various activities where we may be evaluating clinical and scientific data of a potential new testing solution, but where we're also working to develop new testing recommendations, for example. Part of what we're trying to accomplish in our live meetings is to have a robust dialogue about the continued challenges that they may be facing within the practice. With the significant number of new available tests, as well as new indications from a therapeutic option perspective, it's often important for us to make sure that as we're reviewing the testing recommendations, that we're incorporating any of the new advances and to ensure that those are addressed from an operational perspective. 
It's also important to call out that we've identified disease state leaders, and that process is important because those disease state leaders review those testing recommendations and evidence related to maybe new updates or new areas of focus and update those testing recommendations on a quarterly basis. They provide scientific evidence to back up any changes or updates that they're proposing to the broader panel. And the broader panel reviews the suggested edits and either approves or has dialogue around why we should or should not make changes. Those testing recommendations are then published on our Precision Medicine Center and made available to the broader membership. Um, Give us some details about the differences between the testing recommendations provided by our panel and the clinical guidelines in the industry. So there is definitely a distinct difference in traditionally what clinicians think about related to clinical guidelines or clinical practice guidelines and the testing recommendations that the panel is developing or has developed. Typically, a clinical guideline is aimed at guiding decisions based on criteria around diagnosis and management and treatment of a disease. And our testing recommendations are really focused around developing simply that, testing recommendations that are based in scientific data around NCCN guidelines or research or evidence related to clinical journals, et cetera. We identified several disease states that we wanted to begin developing testing recommendations around, such as breast cancer, lung cancer, et cetera. And over time, we've really seen this shift where biomarkers may span multiple different cancers. And so today, we're really focused on building those testing recommendations that are focused on maybe a molecular test or at a molecular level versus at a disease state level. So they're not aimed at guiding therapeutic choices. It's really aimed at the testing that should be done for a particular patient. The when to test, how to test, why should you test, and then particular biomarkers that may be included or should be included for a particular patient based on the clinical scenario. You started touching on the biomarkers that are used in testing. If you can give some more details about which ones are available in the corresponding treatments. The number of therapies being at least 50% or more by 2025, that will either be a targeted therapy or an immunotherapy. And that really highlights the importance of biomarker testing. Many of those therapies require biomarkers to drive therapeutic decision-making. And so it's vitally important that we understand the testing and that we're driving patients the right patient at the right time to the right test so that we can make appropriate clinical decisions that lead to that appropriate targeted therapy or immunotherapy based on the clinical scenario. It's so key to test these patients because if you don't test, then you don't know that the patient has a biomarker. And current data, if we even look in the non-small cell lung cancer space, really shows us that patients are not being tested appropriately. And if you don't know what those results are, we haven't been able to test them, then that impacts outcomes because of the appropriate therapeutic decision process. Yeah. Yeah. And it completely fails on the precision treatment if you're doing it wrong or don't even know you should be doing it or what you should be doing. What you should be looking for. I think that one thing that's important 
important to highlight as well. And one thing that we pay close attention to when discussing as a panel and developing the testing recommendations or reevaluating them at those quarterly intervals is what's included in a panel because many testing companies will have, let's say, a non-small cell lung cancer panel. So it's important that clinicians understand that key biomarkers that should be included in that panel to make sure we're not missing something that would give them that fuller picture of the patient and Again, when they come to that decision of what treatment should I select or what direction do we need to go um, to help manage this patient, that all that information collectively is really important when making that decision. Tell us uh, a little bit about how you see the broader precision medicine program and where you see it now versus where you see it advancing. Sure. So we've developed the precision medicine program to be a living program that can evolve with where both our therapeutic and diagnostic testing are going and to be flexible. As we anticipate more than 50% of all medications used within the oncology space will be targeted by 2025, it's important that we continue to emphasize the use of precision medicine testing, especially next generation sequencing to determine the most appropriate therapeutic options. The new available cell and gene therapies also require us to continue to drive the appropriate use of testing as they will target a very specific patient population. And given the high cost of those therapies and the need for potential clinical support outside of the practice, it's very important that our practices Think about how the testing can be implemented to identify the most appropriate patients for targeted therapies, along with immuno-oncology therapies. As we continue to evolve, we'll bring additional capabilities to go with the testing recommendations, including the direct incorporation of their lab testing data into platforms that are wrapped around their clinical solutions, such as their electronic medical records, and to then help to further assess whether or not we're having the appropriate improvements in clinical care through quality measurement and education. And I think there's just a key point to call out, and Susan touched on this, is that the panel is very much a working panel. Um, They produce a lot of clinically and scientific-based information, such as the testing recommendations, and really help to guide some of those decisions as we navigate this fast-paced, ever-changing space that we call precision medicine. That's all for this episode of Ion On Call. Subscribe to our channel to get notified when the next episode drops. If you have any questions for today's guests, email iononcall at gmail.com. We also want to make sure you are getting the most out of our content. So if you have a topic you would like to learn more about, let us know. That email again is iononcall at gmail.com. iononcall at gmail.com. Until next time, stay safe and thanks for listening.